Hi, this is Robert Benjamin, and we're returning to our conversation with Susanna Papazowski, NDI's representative in Central Europe. I want to kind of go back to that notion of now and then, because, you know, we're in this period where there's a lot of questions about democracy, uh, democracy's ability to kind of hold uh, and, and keep that motivation going for people. And are there any lessons from the 90s? We've been kind of talking about them, but are there any particular lessons from the 90s that you would think relevant now? Yes, it's like engagement, what we mentioned, that uh, it's not enough. As uh, I will quote uh, our, our chair, um, Secretary Albright, who just said it's not enough to see and say, but you have to do about it. And it was the same with the communism. It wasn't enough to be unhappy. See something, say something, do something. Do something. The do, part, the do part is, I think, the essential. Yeah. And, and this is what I think kind of is lacking now, that even back then wasn't enough to just complain about the regime at home unless there were people. And, and it was, again, the younger generation yeah. that had to, despite the snow and freezing temperatures they, and risking their you know, freedom and lives, um, they had to go out and, and, and be there. It, it wasn't enough just to say it. And they could go places. They could go into civil society. They could go into political parties. Um, many people actually went into parliaments as elected Absolutely. members and, act and, 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 and constructed the system um, of democratic governance. And I know you had a big role in supporting those efforts, not only at home, but then you also... Uh, we're working with NDI uh, a little farther south in the Balkans. <laughs> and um, it'd be interesting just to hear a little bit about your experiences where you're sort of looking not only at people being able to express their voices, but having that, having that access to political institutions and really defining what those institutions are doing. So the institutions are crucial. And, and frankly, I think now our... Um, you know, with democracy, maybe we were very naive and enthusiastic in the 90s. Uh, we didn't perceive democracy as something that just not gives you rights and freedoms, but there are certain responsibilities. And no one really thought of the responsibilities back then. Um, as well, it's clear, and it's, it's I think, like with the recent developments in, in Central Europe and globally, that the fight will be on, ongoing, that there is never a moment where you can say that the job has been done. I think there are constantly new and new challenges uh, ahead of us. And still I feel lucky, especially um, later working and spending time in the Western Balkans, that, that there was understanding in Central Europe uh, in order to live in democracy, you needed strong representative institutions. Yeah. Uh, historically, it is a much luckier region as um, the first Czechoslovak Republic from 1918 was one of the strongest democracies in Europe. Uh, you go to Poland, it's the second oldest constitution in the world, right after the constitution of the United States. So Going you have back some to the 18th century. Absolutely, 18th fact. century, yeah. just like three years older than the US um, constitution, if I remember it correctly. But basically there is a tradition. We, we, didn't, we had the first and second world war, but, um, but we had a tradition we can kind of build on. And, uh, Politicians back then understood how important it was to draw a quality constitution, build strong and well-resourced parliaments, uh, how important it was to ha have independent judiciary. And, um, and those things, frankly, I took for granted. Uh, 
going afterwards to the Western Balkans where I would say the whole situation was much more complex and complicated. I mean, the Balkans, 1989, actually was a different War, story. Yeah. I mean, it really opened up, yeah, it opened up a Pandora's box of a lot of conflict that was latent and un effectively unresolved from World War II. A lot of it ethnic-based. Um, people will remember the war in Bosnia-Herzegovina, later on um, the conflict in Kosovo. Um, Central Europe also has uh, a lot of uh, ethnicities, uh, minority groups, both ethnic and religious. Central Europe didn't have those conflicts, or at least n certainly not to the extent of violent conflict that unfortunately uh, happened throughout former Yugoslavia. And, and you're sort of alluding to this, that there was a, 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 an ability to rely on new institutions to manage those things. Um, but there was something probably social, social, social capital or, or other things that people had, uh, you know, a, a ability to work with other people, I guess, basically. Absolutely. It was the relation with the neighbors where we, we were lucky. And, and this is why I, I would even say now that uh, despite all the challenges we are seeing, I, I really believe that uh, the society, especially in Central Europe, it's, it's very resilient. Yeah. Um, it, we, we have seen it in recent elections. People like when the power is shared, when there is a pluralism of ideas and views. Um, um, yes, there are, there are many challenges uh, ahead of us. Um, and I think partially what is one of the leading ones, it's this disengagement and uh, this um, apathy in some cases among the younger generation. Uh, because maybe, uh, and I think that was my, my story, that, that simply I've been active since my early childhood. And I always felt that, you know, you have to do something <laughs> in order in order to change it, and and I and I'm seeing now my generation, my classmates from school, you know, running for an elected office. My 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 classmates from primary school. It's a mayor of Bratislava. I have many other friends and uh, uh, colleagues who who simply uh, ran successfully for an elected office or, or are active um, otherwise. With with the younger generation, I. I simply believe that um, for them, many those things we we fought for, they take them for granted. Simply, that it's, it's like when I heard as a kid stories from Second World War, it's hard to imagine. Like how they explain to my kids that, that literally we had bananas maybe twice a year and just because you could produce them in Cuba. Um, it's um, it's it's totally different reality. It's this a different is, it's a different world. It's a totally different world, and I, I think it's 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 fine. But any opportunity there is, if it's the climate change or, or any other projects that makes younger people or even kids engage and gives them a voice, a tool that makes them included. And you know, we spoke about the institutions. I think it's incredibly crucial for institutions to find those tools and means how to not to be detached from people, but to, to kind of bring them in so they have a voice, even as kids young adults, um, uh, because otherwise, otherwise, you know, we will see the populist party simply getting the support and galvanizing on the situation. I mean, you're raising a really interesting issue because I think, um, and certainly here this week in Berlin, running around as we are to a variety of different um, 
events and just talking with people, you know, the, the, there does seem, as I mentioned before, to be a, some questions uh, really about democracy at its, at its, and how it is uh, holding on here in Central Europe, particularly in the countries that, that you're working in. Um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a line of thought that says, basically, that governments in the region are dismantling democracy, that democracy's kind of stopped. Um, when you look at uh, actions taken that many see to be compromising an independent judiciary or an independent media, or in effect restricting or otherwise, um, you know, having a, 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 a negative effect with civil society and really challenging principles like pluralism and having different views and accommodating and making room for people of different views to, to present their views in those institutions, in the marketplace, a kind of closing is going on. Other people say, look, I mean, this is a region that is um, uh, unique. It's a region of countries and societies that have always been dominated by other powers. You don't have to look far. We're in Germany. There's, there's the former Soviet Union. Um, and we, we believe in democracy, but we really believe in our national identity. And we, we, we need security. And democracy kind of has to accommodate to that. I mean, do you how, do you, how do you see things right now? Are we in a period where democracy really is at risk? Or are we kind of on a winding path and countries in the region um, are still kind of finding their way to a democracy that is strong, vibrant, um, uh, and really speaks to what people want? I personally am an optimist. I think this is, um, you know, much more Maybe it was inevitable. We had unexpected, we had um, unrealistic Secret expectations. Secretary, Secretary Albright <laughs> says she's an optimist with a few concerns. I, I totally, <laughs> I, I can, I totally, yeah. I, I, I would say the same that we should be concerned. First of all, if we are concerned, we have to do something about it. It's not enough to be concerned. So yeah. whoever, you know, whatever tools you have, do something about it. Uh, and uh, we at MDI, we do, you know, we deliver in ver variety of fields, engaging different communities, but I think this is just a just a process, and um, and maybe we have to earn it back, and we have to speak more about 1989, and yeah. and maybe I have to share more memories, my memories with my kids, so it's not that it's something that um, you know it kind of makes them more grateful for everything that has been accomplished, because they have of course in the people under 40, well, 35 anyway, don't have any memory of communism. They don't know they where don't. these, your countries, these countries have come from. And, and the generation no of, um, like my father, he had to work for several months in a mine in order to be study medicine because his, his father was a doctor and it was impossible to have a line of doctors, you know, in a family. Because the state was deciding. Yes, yes, yes. so he had to improve his background. So he had to work several months in a mine. This, this sounds like science fiction, but that's that's just a generation of my, my parents, yeah. you know? So maybe we should talk more to our kids, and as well, I believe that we have to admit there was a segment of society that never dreamt of freedom, that uh, maybe, you know, uh, appreciated other values more, like yeah. security and and being taken care of, and especially for the older generation, it was incredibly uh, challenging. So there's a sense that some people have been left behind. I mean, for sure, and it was inevitable. You know, communism was a system that primarily praised those who were manually contributing to the development of uh, the socialism. So, 
people with vocational backgrounds. Um, suddenly you had the flip and you had people with education had uh, you know far better opportunities for transformation and um, yeah. uh, to benefit from all the changes. Younger generation, again, opportunities which are you know unthinkable uh, for me as a child. So, so we need to we need to appreciate. I'm I'm far, I'm definitely not a pessimist. I think that a lot has been accomplished. Uh, we have a much more realistic uh, impression of what democracy is, what it needs, and we have to understand that we will have to work hard. You know? So, one of the things that you're doing, of course, well, not, I mean, as you know, uh, is that um, you know we're, we're NDI and you're leading our efforts to work with young people uh, in Central Europe, people that as we said, have no direct connection to 1989 or to the communist past. And there's really, you know, as we like to say, the need for a new narrative, that there is a need to reach young people in different ways um, because their understanding is different uh, from the older generation. So what are we doing? Uh, I know you've done some research. We're working with civic organizations, political parties. What, what do you see as sort of the new ways of doing politics to get young people engaged? Uh, I think that um, all institutions, no matter if it's political parties, parliaments, governments, have to create opportunities for engagement of young people. And we and NDI, we are trying to encourage, explain to them why their voice is needed. And, uh, and it goes from, you know, ballot box, as you mentioned, very important element to kind of being engaged in policy development process, you know, communicating with uh, elected officials and representatives um, so give them basically a stronger voice uh, and as well encourage those who decide to go and take that path and responsibility to be there to support them. Uh, simply we cannot have democracy if we have a segment soci of society not represented and, um, and I think this, this, this is our future. Um, and the same way uh, protests are always driven by the younger ones because they are the ones with energy, who are less afraid, who are enthusiastic often, who have a better feel for what is justice is and what is solidarity. It, it, it is not a coincidence that most of these movements are driven by, by really the younger generation. Thanks again, and thanks for listening.